have your Bibles, grab them. Um, we're going to look at a couple things this morning. Um, if you're visiting with us or you haven't been here in a little bit, we, uh, we were, the last five weeks, have been in a, in a series talking about money. Money. Uh, and, you know, when you hear that at church, you know, if you've, if you've been around church at all in your life, usually when you hear them talking about money in church, it's because they need more money. And uh, that's not always a good thing, especially if you're out there. And so I just want to say this morning that there's no fear of another offering being taken up. That's not what we're all about. Um, we are incredibly blessed in this place. Like I said earlier, just people's generosity, believing in what we're doing here and what he's doing uh, is what carries us. What we're talking about money is for your sake this morning. Uh, and we've been spending, this is our sixth week and our final week on it. I could talk for months about it, but uh, there's other things as well. But the reason we're talking about money is because the Bible, there's full of scriptures of talk about money and wealth and how you handle it and what you do with it. And, it, and, and all of it revolves around this, around your heart. Because the, the tendency for us or the, the, the struggle for us is that, you know, we're challenged every day whether we're going to serve God or we're going to serve money. Whether God's going to be the one who can tell us, hey, this is what I want you to do. And you're like, yes, master. Or money's going to tell you, no, I want you to do this. Or you, you owe this. And so we talked about the idea that it's about our hearts, really, where they're at. Not, where, not so much about you know, the, the, the actual money itself. Um, we talked about how God wants us to have money. He wants you to have it, but he wants you to manage it well. Um, money's actually the answer to most of the world's problems. And if he's got it in hands of people that can actually use it to make a difference, it's a great, great thing. Um, in monies, there's nothing evil about it. He just doesn't want money to have you. He doesn't want you to have that, that where money is the one dictating your life. And we talked about this idea of he wants us to manage it, manage it for him because it's his. And so we said, you got to be knowing where your money's going. You got to be knowing where it's going because it's not yours. It's this idea of saying, oh, God, you've blessed me with this. And it would be like your financial advisor. You don't give him your money and then, you know, ask him a couple weeks later, hey, where'd it go? Oh, I don't know. You'd be like, wait, I'm getting a new manager for that. Same with us, this idea of managing it well. And we learned some other things as well, that you can tell money where to go and you actually need to. You need to tell your money where to go. And that in the idea of saving and giving and spending and all of that, that we, we are, are challenged to honor God with all of it. So if you're saving lots, do it to honor him. If you're spending, honor him. In, in your giving, honor him. And then we talked about debt. And there's just no honoring him in debt at all. And we said, you know, get, get out of debt no matter what it takes. Because debt becomes a master and you're not going to like him. And then last week we talked about money being a seed. That when, you, when you're using money, it's actually, it's, it's, the Bible talks about it a lot. Paul talked about it. That it's a seed that grows. It's more than just this, this, um, this paper and, and coin. And we talked about other seeds. You know, the words, thoughts, actions, you know, in our lives. There's certain things our parents did that we're still reaping the results of. Why? Because they were seeds. And we didn't think about it. So we talked about that last week. So if you missed any of those, you can find them online. It would be good. We're not going to spend any more time on the, on the review. Um, but one thing I would like to say, um, Andy Stanley has uh, on Right Now Media, something that we've offered to our whole church is Right Now Media. You can find Andy Stanley's series called Balanced. Um, and if, you're, if this has been intriguing to you and you're like, man, I, I, I just need more, um, some more information, some more things um, for your own sakes, I would encourage you to listen to that. A couple of thoughts I'm going to share today come from that series. Um, and I would, uh, but I would encourage you to get the, the, the bulk of it by uh, checking that out. If you don't have Right Now Media, let us know and we'll hook you up. So uh, we're going to get right into it. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. 
If you have your Bibles, I know, what a great verse, isn't it, Deb? Romans 12, 2. Um, don't uh, copy the behavior and customs of this world. Just remember those two words. Don't copy the uh, behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. We always want to change and wonder how do we change. We change the way we think. He says, then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Um, as I was pre- preparing for this, I, I thought of something that happened a couple years ago. We were at a family get-together. Uh, it was one of my, at my sister's house. And as we were sitting around there, my son Lincoln, he was probably about three at the time. And uh, because of his older sister, he just, she taught him as much as she could teach him. So he had quite the vocabulary as a three-year-old. And, and you, but you really noticed it when you went to my, to my uh um, sister's house, and then her, her son, who's only two months younger than my son Lincoln, he's like knows two words, right? He's like mama, dada, and Wah! right. Those are his words, and uh, and so we're sitting there watching, and you know Lincoln's have this conversation, and I'm like, wow, Karen, have you noticed? Like, like look at how you know the di- only two months, isn't it incredible? And she looked at me with that look, at, you know, in her eyes of like, don't compare our kids, and but but this thought of I'm aware of it, Marcus. She says to me. And I almost wanted to title this, I'm aware of it, Marcus. Not she was angry at me, but this, but this idea of, yeah, I got it. Don't, you don't need to repeat it again. I'm aware of it. So, you know, I know some of you are introverts and you hate when I do this, but I just want you to, can you humor me and just say to all together, I'm aware of it, Marcus, just for all time's sake. I'm aware of it, Marcus. I hope that by the end of today, you'll be able to say the same thing, that I'm aware of it. Why, um, the idea of being aware, what does it matter to be aware? See, when it comes to money, many people are so unaware of their financial um, uh, situation. They're unaware of the financial pitfalls that are just around the corner in their life. They're so unaware of it that they end up falling into it. Uh, and that's why awareness matters. Um, many find themselves upside down financially, but they don't know how they got there. They don't know why they got there. They're just there. And they're like, they're unaware of the process of what took them there. They have the questions like, what made me spend more than I make? I'm an average Canadian, and average Canadians spend 167% of the 100% they make. How did we get into that? Why did we do that? Why do I have a car payment that I just can't afford? Why did I buy a house that's beyond the mortgage payment that I can make? Why do I have these um, things? What made me buy that phone? What made me buy that, that whatever it is, fill in the blank? And I want to share a few thoughts with you. Number one is this, uh, aware, being aware, aware of what you don't have Aware of what you don't have is something that most of us live with already. And we, we know it. We just wouldn't word it this way. But it's this idea of being discontent. That's what kind of makes us um, uh, buy the next thing is we're, we're discontent. Discontentment, um, Andy said it this way, it's the dissatisfaction that I have with what I have. The dissatisfaction that I have with what I have. And awareness actually fuels discontentment. See, you know, you have your house and you're in your house and it's fine. You know, you like your house, you like your car, you like your kitchen, you like your TV until you go to someone else's house and then you're sitting there and you're like, whoa, I've never seen ceilings this high. You know, and whoa, look at the crown molding and hardwood floors and like a kitchen, a fridge that talks to you. Like, I did not know that existed. And then you go home and all of a sudden your house feels like the ceilings are five feet tall, the doors are too narrow, you're like... Oh, you know, I wish I had high ceilings. I wish I had a friend talk to me. I wish I had a kitchen like that. And you're like, I didn't, before you knew about it, you were fine. Until you were aware of it, all of a sudden, when you became aware of it, then it was like, oh, what I have, I'm no longer content with. And it happens all the time. It happens with all kinds of things. Maybe it's things like the cell phone. For instance, uh, you know, the cell phone. <laughs> Here, here's the guy who started it all. 
He invented the cell phone. I forget his name, Martin something. Um, and he invented the, the cell phone. And you know, when you saw this back in the day, maybe you're like, oh, I know it's super expensive, but that is so cool. I got to have one of those, you know? And, and you're like, you're thinking the next time that I have a chance to buy something like that, I, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. Like I ain't going to be that cool. And, and, you, and you want to have, you got to have one. Um, but then, you know, this wasn't the only phone they ever made. Thank you. Lord for that because they all of a sudden started making them different they started making them smaller and then you're like oh I gotta have the next one because it's smaller I, I just love it and they kept getting smaller and smaller people kept buying because it's smaller and smaller until finally they turned out to be tiny and you're like I just gotta have one of those tiny little phones and you know when they got to the spot of tiny and they realized oh we can't go any smaller then they just pulled a fast one all of us and said you know what actually what you don't want is tiny what you want is bigger you want to have a bigger phone because you know the bigger it is the better so iPhone 4 turned into iPhone 5 turned into iPhone 6 turned into iPhone 6 plus and I just found the the preview for the new iPhone 7 that's coming out later this year and it's huge so <laughs> Um, but this thing, and once they get to so super size, when they have the eye slab the size of your bed, that, uh, you know, then they'll start going back and we'll buy it. We will. We'll just keep going. Why? Because we're discontent with what we have and we become aware of something and our culture is trying to make you aware of what you don't have all the time. See, our parents and grandparents, they never did this thing called upgrade. Like you look in the garage and they have stuff from like, from like the year it was made, uh, like from way back when, and they haven't, they haven't upgraded anything. They just fix stuff. If it breaks, then they replace it, but they don't do this upgrade thing like we do. You know, they have like, you know, see some of them, they have this like the fish fillet knife. They've been, you know, sharpening till it's like as thin as like a toothpick. But, you know, I'm like, you can get a new knife. Like they're not that expensive. No, why? Why would I get a new one? This isn't broken yet. But we don't think that way because our culture keeps telling us, it doesn't matter if it's broken, you need to get a new one. Uh, it happens about anything. The other day, uh, a couple months ago, actually, I was, um, we drove to visit some people, and I, I drove my van over to their house, and we hung out at their house, and then I saw in their garage, they'd actually crashed their vehicle, so they had a rental van, and I saw this rental van, and I was like, Wow. I know, it's pretty, like when you're my age and have four children, you get excited about minivans. And so I looked at, I looked at this minivan, I'm like, oh man, that is so nice. And they're like, what, you gotta sit in it. I was like, I do gotta sit in it. So I sat in the van, I was like, wow, like this is just, this is incredible. Like the steering wheel feels like a brand new invention, still around, but like this one's better than the one I have. And I'm looking around, I'm like, wow, the kids would not fight in a van like this. Like this, I need this van. And so then I, I talked to them, like, well, we can sell it to you, you know, like we, we can find one. And I was like, wow, that's, that's awesome, how much? And so they started talking, I was like, well, it's $3,000 more than what we have saved up for a van right now. And so we're like, well, I started thinking about it. I wonder what we could do. How do we get that 3000 Start going through the thing. I'm starting talking to Beth. And she's like, we're not getting a new van. And I'm like, yes, we, we need this van. Like ours. And as I'm driving home, I hear clunks I never heard before. And, you know, I'm like, all the lights are starting to come on. I'm like, that's dangerous. I'm like, this thing's, this thing's on its last legs. And I'm going to get a second opinion. So I took it to John Stanga, my trusted mechanic. And I said to him, I said, John, just tell me the truth. You know, tell me this thing's on its way out. And he says, as he's looking, he's like, Mark, this van's like in great shape. Like, if you're going to get rid of it, I'll buy it, right? Like, like and, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, Heck yes, it's in great shape. And as I'm like, you're not buying it, I'm driving. And all of a sudden, it was an awesome van again. And I still have it. But what is that? It's just something's changing in the way we think. And because of the way we think, it actually changes the way we want to act. 
something so powerful. When you say, oh, Romans chapter 12, if we can change the way we think, it'll change the way we act. And something is always trying to change the way you think. Our culture is continually trying to change the way you think about what you have and what you don't have. And Romans chapter 12, it said, don't copy the behavior. Don't copy the custom of the world. He says, let God transform you. The custom of our world is that it's bigger, better. We're going to look at that uh, this morning. So number one, um, aware of what you don't have is what we live with every day. And it can be a negative, it can be a negative thing. But you can leverage awareness for positive things as well. And those are the ones I want to challenge you with. If you're taking notes, write this one down. Become aware of the appetite. Become aware of the appetite. Proverbs 30, verse 15 and 16, Solomon's writing and he talks about these things that are never satisfied. He's like, there's three things that, you know, never have enough. Oh, wait, no, four things that are never satisfied. You're like, Solomon, what is it, three or four? But I like that he did that because it's actually probably not three or four. He could have said three, four, seven, 11, whatever number you want. He says, these things are never satisfied, the appetites, whatever they are. And so he mentioned the grave, the barren womb, the fire, and uh, he says the, the desert. They're never, never satisfied. And we know that. And no appetite is ever actually fully satisfied. Think about food for a minute. You know, we eat every single day, most of us. And, and the idea of you could go and get food at like a restaurant like this. You could go to the Mandarin. And you're like, now nah, I'm hungry. Yeah, I, I, I've lost you for the rest of the service. Uh, you know, but you look at the Mandarin. And you're like, wow, I could eat this ginormous meal. I'm never going to be hungry again. And we know that's not true. You mean you might hurt from how much you ate, but you do know that that appetite's going to come back. You know, fire, uh, forest fire doesn't get to the edge and be like, oh, there's only 10 trees left. I give up. You know, I'm done. I had enough. It doesn't. As long as there's more to burn, it's going to keep on burning. Those appetites, we, we, there's all kinds of them. Sex can be one of those appetites. You know, it's just always needing uh, more. Wa- um, watering your garden. It's like your garden has this insatiable appetite for water. You think, ah, oh, you know, water enough and never going to need to water again. And it's like a couple days later. It needs, why? Because appetites are never done. It's how addictions happen. It's this idea of thinking, you know what, just one more. I just need one more and then I'll be good. And then you get that one more. And okay, just one more. And it's not realizing that there's an appetite. So when we talk about this, spending is one of those appetites. And if you're not aware that it's an appetite, you're not going to have any idea how to deal with it. Um, the, uh, the appetite of spending is never enough either. It's, all, it's satisfied, but just like food, it's satisfied only for a little while. And you didn't have to learn how to serve self. You didn't have, you know, grow up and be like, oh, I got to try and figure out how to, you know, serve myself. Um, You know, uh, Lady Gaga wrote the song, right? Born This Way. You know, you were born this way. And she didn't put that in the song she should have because, you know, you were born to spend. This idea of you're so great. It's actually the opposite. You know, you're you're born to do all these things that destroy yourself. You didn't have to learn it. My kids didn't learn it. They're addicted to the dollar store and I don't know who taught them, right? It's like, Every day they want to spend my dollars there. Like every day, if there's a chance, they'd go to the doll. I think it's your grandparents actually who taught them that. But it's like this. It's, <laughs> they love their grandparents. Uh, it's, 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 it's like the seagulls in Finding Nemo, right? It's like mine, 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 mine. You know, me first, me first, me first. They just, we just grew up with that. And as adults, we've kind of, we've curbed it. We don't wander around saying mine, mine, mine. We just kind of live that out. We just kind of do that in the way, the way we do. We allow that appetite to just continue to, to grow. You know, the way to satisfy or end actually an unhealthy appetite is not to feed it. We think, oh, if I just feed it one more time, it'll go away. The, actually, the opposite is true. The way to end unhealthy appetites is to starve them out. 
It's to starve them out. You take away this, the, the fuel from a fire, it's going to go out. You know, the smoke jumpers are, are um, firefighters, extreme firefighters who jump in through the smoke to where the fire is heading. And as they go down there, the way the wind's blowing, that's why they jump through there. And what they do is they hit the ground. They begin to try and figure out any way possible to take away the fuel of the fire. They'll light some fires. They'll, they'll cut down things. They'll make sure that when the fire gets to that spot, it's got nothing left to burn. And I want to encourage you when it comes to your money, if you're financially smoking, if you're realizing like, man, I, this stuff is not looking good. The way we've talked about the past five weeks, you're like, I, I'm in trouble. I'd encourage you to be like them and say, I'm jumping in. I'm going to do something now. I'm going to address something and realize I have that appetite and, and I want to do something about it. Maybe it's money. For some last night, they were emailing me after the service. Thanks for sharing this part because it's not money in my life, but it's something else. And I realize it's an appetite that I need to starve. And I would encourage you, become aware of the appetites in your life. Become aware of them or otherwise you're going to just try and satisfy it by feeding it and not even realize that you're just making it bigger. Luke chapter 12, Jesus told a story. He told a story to um, a bunch of people there, but he started with a sentence. He'd always do this. He'd like throw a sentence out there that everybody's like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. And then he'd tell a story and then they're like, oh wait, that, that applies to everyone. And this was his sentence. He says, then he said, these guys were asking him saying, hey, Jesus, can you sort out our finances for us? And he said, he said this, beware, be aware, beware. Guard against every kind of greed because life, life, real life, it's not, measured, it's not measured by how much you own. See, your real life and what you own, that, that's not equal. That's not, like that doesn't, what you own doesn't determine the value of your life. See, but in our, in our culture, that's what it's all about. You know, it's this, this idea, we, we kind of know it in theory, but we just don't always live that that out. You know, a few years ago when the stock market crashed, it was just horrifying and, and, and horrible to read in the news as, that people who lost millions of dollars were just taking their own lives, realizing, you know, I lost all my stuff, so my life is no longer worth living. And what is that? They believe that their life was the value of what they owned, and it's terrible. You could take all of your stuff. It doesn't change the value of your life. And we're like, yeah, Mark, we know that. We agree with that in theory. But my question is, do we live that out do we live like that's actually what we believe? Or is it something more? So number three is become aware of the extra in your life. Become aware of the extra in your life. What do you do with your extra money? What are you doing with your extra money? What am I doing with my extra money? And some of you are like, extra money? Nobody has that. You know, you're talking to the wrong group of people, right? Like, I live kind of paycheck to paycheck. Um, you know, I, I don't have it. You know, or, or for us, it's like we either spend the, all that we make or we save up some so we can spend it. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, there's no extra. It's either I'm consuming it now or I'm going to consume it later. And, and our culture actually makes us aware of what we don't have. It's always got us focused on what we don't have, that awareness that we think we don't have extra. We just so, we're always thinking, well, there's one more thing I need. So we don't realize what we actually already have. And that's the awareness I want to wake us up to this morning is that we have extra. See, because if we don't realize we have extra, we begin to, we begin to live like we need everything that we have. We think we need everything that we have. So my question for you, if you don't think you have extra, did you rent a movie in the last little while? Have you rented a movie either off you know, iTunes or whatever? Have you spent money on a movie? If you did, that was extra. You know, if you have Tim Hortons happen like I do, and you, you spend a, you know, a lot of time there, that's extra. And some of you are like, Mark, that is a need. You don't understand. I feel you, but it's actually an extra. You know, if you have a cell phone, do you realize that that's extra? 
You know that yard sales, they're all over the place right now. Do you realize what yard sales are really all about? That's all about the extra stuff, like this picture, all the, all the extra stuff that you have. There's a, yeah, there's another one, sorry. All the extra stuff that you have that you don't really need, that you're going to sell to somebody else who doesn't really need it, who's going to sell it in a garage sale five years from now to someone else who doesn't really need it. And we're like, but we need more of this extra. Because why? We're unaware that we have extra. If you have a car, do you realize that that's extra? It's like, no, it's not. Everybody has a car. Do you realize that only 9% of the world's population own a car? Oh, man, we're pretty much royalty, aren't we? 9%. That's, that's, that's less than 1 in 10 people own a car in our planet. Some of us, it's like we own two cars, three cars, a, cars and a boat. And we didn't think that was extra. We think we needed that. We thought that was need, but it's actually extra. Why? Because we don't think about this idea in Canada. We have the most, and we don't realize that what we have is extra. We don't think about what we actually need. Think about that for a second. What do you actually need? Need. Not want, whatever. Need. What do we actually need? We need air. Not living without that. We need food. We need water. Clothing is not optional in our country. <laughs> we need that. We need homes. We need somewhere to live. We need heat. We need those bills paid. And for, for some, because of travel or whatever, you do need a vehicle to get back and forth to work. But other than that, the rest, if you have all of that, the rest is extra. Wait, you didn't put Xbox in there. <laughs> that is a need. You know, you didn't put Facebook in there. You survive without it. I know it seems strange, but all of that stuff is actually extra. And we don't think about that. Because we're so focused and aware of what we don't have. One third of the world lives on less than $2 a day. They survive on less than two bucks a day. They're alive. Some of them are eating and living indoors. And, and you know, when I think about that, we're eating and living in, inside. And, you know, it's probably to a higher level than them. But most of what we have, a lot of what we have, is extra. So what are you doing with the extra? Because it's actually what we do with the extra that matters. We know we need to spend the money on those other needs, but the, it's, it's what we do with our extra that actually determines who or what is controlling our heart. So Jesus continues this story. He said, hey, life's not made up of the possessions, and he tells them this story. He makes it up. He actually makes up the story to tell them, to tell them uh, uh, and just make a point. He says, this a rich man had a fertile farm, so he's already rich, all right? He's already rich. He has a fertile farm that produced fine crops, and he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my stuff, all my extra crops. So he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, I don't know why he called himself that, but he does. He's like, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, you fool. You're going to die this very night. And then he asks a question that I think every one of us needs to ask ourselves. Who will get everything that you worked for? Who's going to get all the extra? And he says, yes, a person's a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. God called this man a fool. And you know what? The people there who heard the story would be like, fool? They're going to be confused because they, what they thought is that if somebody's rich, it's because God blessed them, and that's why they're rich. You know, it's like his ground. He was already rich, and God blessed the ground so that he could be even richer. They'd be like, God, you just blessed him. How can you call him a fool? They wouldn't understand that. The man himself would have said if he was a real character, fool? I'm not a fool. 
If it was us, we'd be like, I'm not a fool. I did what you said in Proverbs. I saved up. I'm storing up for the future. That's what I'm, I'm doing. Like you told me, how am, I, how am I, how can you turn around now and call me a fool? I'm actually just, I'm wise. I'm a good planner. I'm storing up. You know, I've come up with a great plan to be financially secure. And for some of you, you're just like terrified now. You're like, oh, no. Oh, no, I knew it. It's going to come to this spot. You know, they're going to get the band up and sing, we're giving it all away, away. I knew it. (laughs) But he didn't say that. He doesn't actually say he's a fool for storing up wealth. And some of you have been fantastic about that. It's actually what our course is about, how to help you realize to to save up and store up money so that when it's there, he can drop in your heart how to use it to, to, to be wise with wealth. But he said, you're not a fool for storing up wealth. And the same as I wrote to you, because God, the same God who wrote this, wrote Proverbs. He said, you're a fool for not realizing why you had the extra. You're not a fool for having it. You're a fool for not realizing why you had it. You bought into the lie that it was all meant for you. A fool for not being rich towards God. Not a fool for just saving up, but forgetting the other side of being rich towards God. So my question is, what about you and what about me? What would he say about how we're using our extra? What would he say to us? Who will get everything you worked for? Have you bought into the lie that says everything that I make and everything that I have is for me? It's what I need. Hope that's not God calling me on my theology. <laughs> are, you, are you aware of the extra in your life? And some of the times you're thinking, yeah, yeah maybe, I don't know. My question is this. Are you, are you aware of the extra in your life? Or are you practically living like that other verse said, that my life is worth all of my uh, possessions, that what I have I need for me or for my kids or for my future, it's all for me to consume. I want us to rethink about the extra stuff in our lives. First Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, hey, as a young pastor, I want to encourage you with this to encourage others. He, he said this, and just listen carefully. He said, you, um, yet true godliness with contentment is itself, is, is, um, itself great wealth. Godliness, contentment is great wealth. For us, our culture makes us think. We're thinking that great wealth is Measured by the amount of our stuff. You know, we want this bumper sticker that says, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins. Right? That's our goal in life. We're like, well, I don't really think that, but I'm living that way. I just want to tell you, he who dies with the most toys still dies. And he can't take any of it with him. So the idea behind this is that Paul's saying, listen, Tim, just live a life that's pleasing to God and be content with what you have. Yeah, your car's shinier than my van. I got some rust spots. It's cool. I like your car, but I'm content with mine. You know, I've got some of these things that say, yeah, your phone, yeah, it's bigger than mine, but I'm content with mine. I want to live my life to be pleasing to him and just to be content with what I have. And he says, Tim, I want you to think differently about great wealth. Great wealth is not what everyone else is saying. It's, it's this. First Timothy keeps going. He says, after all, Timothy, we brought nothing in. Um, when we came into this world, and we can't take anything out of it when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let's be content with that. Like food and clothing, like seriously, just food and clothing? We're going to be, you know, we read that, like food and clothes, content. We're like, no, no, we, we can't do that. We, but what the, there's obviously a few more things in North America that we need, which we've talked about. But can we be content with, what, that, with just having our needs met? We're like, no, because there's this thing inside. It's like, I just, I just want extra. 
I just want bigger, better. Uh, I don't know what that is. Um, Beth and I, when we were in our financial mess and, and had to talk to, to people to help us get out of that spot, we sat there and they said, you know what? The amount you two spend on clothes, you need to cut that by 90%. And we're like, oh, darn. <laughs> and then they said, the amount you guys spend on eating out, you need to cut that by 80%. And we're like, Oh, darn. Right? We're looking at it. We're like, we are going to be the miserablest, you know, poor people ever. It's just like, we're already looking at our lives. It's going to be so boring. And a year later, after we had kind of gone through all this, you're like, you're going to have to sell your house. You've got to get rid of one of your vehicles. You guys are like, in some, if you could move in with your in-laws, that'd be a great idea. And we're like, done. Right? So, um, having nothing. And sitting there a year later, um, and sitting there, talked about saying we spend less and we, you know, we have less. We're like, I said, Han, are you like, what, what do you feel like? Are you unhappy? And she looks at me and she's like, you know what? I've never had more peace than I have now. Why? Because the stress of all of that was gone. And there was a sense of contentment. You know, you travel the world and you go to Guatemala. I think about these Guatemalan children. You know what I think about every single time? Genuine smiles. They're just so happy with nothing. I'm like, man, we go there to help them and, and we learn every time, right? It's like, Wow. Having nothing, why? Because it's, it's not just a theory, it's, it's the truth. This godliness, living the way God wants you to live and being content, it's actually the great wealth that we desire. We think it's something else. He says, but people, Timothy says, verse 9, people who long to be rich, people who want to live bigger, live better, that's the kind of their consuming desire. They fall into temptation and they're trapped. They get trapped by many foolish and harmful desires, and then plunge them into ruin and destruction. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, some people have got that inner craving, that appetite for bigger, for better, for more extra, have wandered from true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Because that bigger, better, want more extra appetite leads to a trap every single time. It doesn't matter how much you have or don't have. It will always take you to that trap. You know, and, and we don't have to go too far. Often, for probably most of us, have you ever been in the spot where you convinced yourself in your head that that dumb financial decision was somehow a good idea. You got other people around you to say, we got to figure this out, but you kind of go through that process in your head. I talked to a guy years ago and he bought a car and, he, and I'm looking at him. I'm like, you can't afford that car. And it was a really nice car. And he bought it and on payments. He's like, yeah. He says, and before I said anything to him, he's like, yeah. He says, Mark, he says, you know, I, I know what you're going to tell me. You're going to say, you can't afford this car. And he's like, you know, and maybe I can't, but you know, I deserve this car. I have never had a nice car in my whole life. I deserve this car. And I was like, all right, we'll see, you know, we'll see. And then shortly after, like within three months, the engine on this beautiful car blew up. And now he was making payments on a car that he could not drive. And he could not buy another car because he was making payments on the car he could not drive. And I saw him three months later when this had happened. And you know what he said? He's like, Mark, he's like, I can't believe it. I'm like, I pray to God. I'm like, I didn't deserve this. <laughs> God, what are you doing to me? <laughs> Buying into the lie of bigger, better. If you've got a credit card payment you can't make, you bought into it. You got a mortgage you can't actually afford, you bought into it. You got a, a new phone, new computer, whatever it is, whatever your thing is, new motorcycle, more chrome on your motorcycle, whatever it is, you know, that buys into that. This bigger, better appetite. Here's the, here's the thing. The bigger, better appetite is going to affect your relationships. We talk about this idea of it affecting marriage, but it's not just marriage. In the last verse, it says, it says this, that they've um, um, wandered away. 
from genuine faith, wandered away from true faith. You know, if people often here in our church that are coming back to God, coming back to church, and if you ask yourself, you know, why, why you kind of left church, it wasn't probably because you said, oh, you know, I don't believe their theology, their philosophy, it's kind of whatever, it's a little uh, whatever, shady, I don't believe all that stuff anymore, I'm leaving. It wasn't that. For most, of, most people, it was this idea of, ooh, it's shiny, and, you know, and this idea of, I want to have that. Realize I got to pay for that, and I got to work harder, and now I got to work weekends, and now I got to do this, and you just wandered away. And after you follow that journey and that path for as far as it would take, you realize, ah, it's empty. I'm missing true life. Timothy said this in verse 11. Paul said to him, but you, Timothy, after all of this, you're a man of God. So run, 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 run from all these evil things. Run from that way of thinking and pursue something else. You know, you're, you're craving something, but what about this? What if you pursued righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness? He says, have those are the things that you say you're aware of, you know, the discontent that you have in your life in those areas. I want to know him more. I want to spend that time um, growing in these areas. He says, Tim, change the way you think about this stuff. Pursue something different. Why? Because godliness with contentment, that's actually great wealth. And here's why. The last thought is this. Become aware of the needs of others. We're aware of what we don't have. Challenging you to become aware of the fact that that's an appetite that's going to hurt you. Become aware of your extra because you have it. And here's why. Become aware of the needs of others. In verse 17 of the same thing, he says to Tim, he says, teach those who are rich in this world. Who is that? Who's rich here this morning? Every single hand should be up. If you make more than $14,000, you are one of the, you are the cream of the crop in our, on our planet. Wealth, 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 we have it. We just don't think it because we compare it to the wrong people. But in this world, we are rich. He says, tell them not to be proud and not to trust in their money. Don't trust it. It's so unreliable. Their trust should be in God. Trust in your dad. Trust in your father who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. He's given it. He's given it to us. And it's, it says for our enjoyment. He's not wanting you to be so miserly that you're miserable. That's not the thought at all. He's just saying don't store up without doing the other. And here's the practical. Here's the how. He says tell them this. Tell them to use, which we've been talking about all series. Manage. Tell them to manage their money to do good. Tell them to use their money, what they have, to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. This idea of being generous to those in need. It's this idea he said to the, to the Jesus said it to the guys around there. He said, sell some of the stuff you have. Sell some of what you don't need and give to those in need. This idea of recognizing, being aware of those who are in need. In verse, um, he says, you know, and be willing to share with others. And that's a hard thing when you have new stuff. That's the problem with new stuff. You know, if somebody wants to borrow your car, yeah, you can take the old one. You know, or, you know, it's like, hey, you want to go out golfing with us? Yeah, can I borrow your clubs? Oh, I got a couple rusty ones in the back. You know, yeah, you can. Because we have a hard time sharing our new stuff. He says, you know what, it's stuff. It's just stuff. Be willing to share with others. Choose it. Choose to be aware. And it says this, verse 19. It's where we started this whole series six weeks ago. By doing this, not by thinking about it, hoping, thinking it's a great idea. By doing this, they will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. This idea of storing up for the future. Something happens when we take what we have, the extra we have, and we use it to bless someone in need. He does something with that and says, that treasure's gonna stay. That treasure's gonna last. 
Culture is trying to keep you focused on what you don't have so that you never see what others don't have. You're always focused on what I need, that little bit of extra that you forget and don't see what it is. And then we spend the money on what we think we need and, and we forget to see those in need. You're like, well, who's in need? I want to encourage you this morning to become aware. Choose. Choose to become aware of those in need. You know, I was so challenged by this myself in the last little while that, you know, a lot of times we think, you know, the church is taking care of the missions. The church is taking care of Your Life Counts, the Haldeman Pregnancy Care Center, the single moms, the orphans in Haiti. The church is doing it. But then I had this wake-up call, which I should have had ages ago. Who's the church? <laughs> Me. You. And he'll put it on your heart as a church. Take care of those in need. You know, we've got working people here who are still, still poor. Some of our single moms could just use, use really use help. There's others that are saying, ah, oh, I never thought about that. And you know, as I thought about this thing with my van, I thought, hmm, I could do this and this and this to make that, that 3000 Why not just give that away? And if I could, why, why for extra? And he says, you know what you find? True life. You find true life. The other is not really life. So I close with this thought. Four questions that I would encourage you to ask yourself in light of everything that we've talked about. What am I choosing to be aware of? What are you choosing to be aware of? Because our awareness is a choice. Are you aware of what you don't have? Is that what you're choosing? Because it leads to discontent. Are you choosing to be aware of the extra in your life and actually consider that? Are you choosing to be, a, choosing to be aware of what others don't have? And are you choosing to be aware of how I can think and what I can do differently to live differently? So what are you willing to do? What am I willing to do to live differently? You know, we've been pushing this financial course for a reason because we want to see it actually live out true life, actually live out real, real life. And so this morning as we're talking about all of this, all of this stuff, saying this idea what are you choosing to be aware of? And where we started is where we want to end. Because maybe you're like, Mark, that was long. And all you want to say is, I'm aware of it, Marcus. I'm aware of it. You can stop talking now. Are you aware of it? We're aware of it, Marcus. Choose to be, choose to be aware. Father, I pray for every person in this place. That Holy Spirit, what you started in their lives today, you continue to work out until you complete it in them. That as they just listen continually to your voice and act out and courageously on that, that they'd experience true life. That others would see that true life and say, man, I gotta have that. God, then may we just be able to point them to you. Uh, thank you for your incredible, amazing love. Thank you for the stories that you've given us to tell and share with the world. We want to go out this week living, living that out uh, and enjoying everything that you've given us. Help us to be good stewards and managers of that for your glory. Love you a lot. It's in your name we pray. Amen.